Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. So welcome to the Overcoming Your Emotional Eating Podcast. And I am super excited to be here. I'm always excited to be with you guys and to bring you some new content. Most of my content in the past has really surrounded emotional eating, obviously, right? With the title Overcoming Emotional Eating. But what I never want to forget about is the link between emotions, eating, and addiction, because we know that there's a huge cross relationship, right? And so today I wanted to bring on an expert in the field. Hi, Dennis. <laughs> Hi, how are you, Wendy? I'm good. How are you? I'm awesome. How can you not be awesome? I'm happy to be here and talk with you. I'm excited to have you. Dennis Berry is an amazing life coach, and he's actually in Colorado, but he's been working with people worldwide for over 15 years. And with modern technology like Zoom, he can work with anybody anywhere. His expertise is in addiction recovery, and that's why I wanted him on the podcast. I know he mainly works with men, but we can all take value from what he's learned in his experience and expertise. He has firsthand experience of becoming sober since April 8th, 2003. With his journey in sobriety and recovery from drug abuse, it helped him find his mission in life. And I find that to be true for so many people, which is to help others on their journey through sobriety and achieve inner peace and success in every area of his life. Dennis knows exactly what it's like to be helpless and hopeless with no positive direction. He was able to climb out of the gutter and transform his life, and he spends his life now helping others to do the same, which is why I so appreciate you and so appreciate you coming on the Overcoming Podcast. I know. Thank you. That makes me sound so nice. <laughs> well, well, yeah, my, my interest and, and, and always has been in really looking at how people overcome, you know, what hurdles or obstacles are in front of them. And obviously my target range has always been in food and emotion and eating, but there really is a cross relationship between food and addiction to alcohol or drugs. What do you find? Oh, absolutely. That's huge. And I should, I do want to add like in the intro, when you were talking about me, like we said mainly with men, but I have a lot of women clients. In fact, right now I have more women clients than men. And it's yeah. really interesting. A lot of them come because they'll want to, um, you know, they're, their husbands or sons or somebody is messed up and they want me to talk to them, but they're not ready yet. So I end up working with them. And it's a lot along the same lines of the stuff that you talk about. It's about teaching them about self-love and self-care, self-respect and mm -hmm. establishing boundaries for themselves. And then I end up working with them and we, we really have a great connection. But when you talk about like the, the cross addiction, you know, you were on my podcast and some people might know that if they're listening, but we did talk about that, how um, we need to eat. And that's the, that's the, the hard part about food addictions is that, you know, with alcohol or drugs, like some of them are illegal and we can't get those and we probably shouldn't do those on a daily basis, but we need to eat every day. So it's hard to control our eating or, you know, keep it 
the way we're supposed to and not do emotional eating, but I could do that myself. Having been sober 17 years now, I can still eat a pound of cookies sometimes. And I'm like, why am I doing that? So I have to go in and look at that. There's definitely a connection. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You talked about self-care just a little bit and in, in working with, you know, maybe the women that are um, married or have a relationship, a son or husband or a partner who has an addiction, maybe coming to you then to kind of help understand a little bit more about it or what their role is. What do you find is the role in self-care? I mean, it's such an under, it's such an over-talked about concept and undervalued concept, I find, for, for all of us. I mean, I, I'm definitely, you know, at, at fault for that. But what, what do you find are good elements of self-care? Sure. Well, I think, first of all, the, the first step in all of that is awareness, right? So, you know, we, a lot of times we're not aware that, that this is even a thing. Like, oh, I'm taking care of myself. I exercise or whatever it is. But are you taking care of yourself in your relationships? Are you like talking about something when something needs to be talked about or are you bottling it up and holding it in and, be, and getting resentful and angry and fearful and sad and all these feelings inside? Because those feelings are the reasons I eat or overeat or drink or smoke weed or go shopping and spend money I don't have or whatever. Those are all distractions. In a lot of cases, the addiction or the problems that we're talking about aren't even really the real problem. Now, there's certainly some uh, physical components of, of these addictions for sure. But in a lot of cases, if we can start digging into the underlying issues, then we can start to see the reasons that we're doing those behaviors. And in a lot of cases, it's avoiding the feelings or not addressing the feelings or taking care of myself. And, you know, in a, a lot of cases with women or mothers or people in, in families, women in families, they spend their lives because they think their purpose is to take care of everybody else around them, but they don't take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what I find. So, it, you know, once we have the awareness that something like that's happening, then we can take steps, action steps to self-care, mm -hmm. you know, keeping track of everything we're eating. Um, you know, part of self-care is not gorging on food or overeating or under eating and starving yourself because you don't think that you look good or whatever it is. So it's just about self-love, self-care, self-respect, identifying it, having somebody to be accountable to, mm -hmm. and then taking steps to work through that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And accountability is really um, utilized in drug and alcohol addiction. What's so interesting about food is that the only accountability people have come up with is a food journal, which I never use with clients um, because I find it to be demeaning and demoralizing. Mm -hmm. um, you're not a child. You have to write your food down for me. But it's interesting that the accountability model is difficult to do with food, but it's so used and needed with drug and alcohol. And it's another part of that kind of split that we talked about when we were together. Um, the difference between drug and alcohol and food is that Developing accountability with food is, is much more difficult because you can't just use um, a food journal, so to speak, because it, it can be demeaning to people. But what's so also so interesting, you, know, you mentioned self-care and you know, eating healthy, which is absolutely a part of self-care, right? Um, what are some other aspects of self-care that you find really needed to help somebody move through 
an addictive pattern? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, there's so many. Self-care involves so much. One, establishing boundaries for yourself, mm. right? And a lot of people don't do this because uh, there's different types of personalities. So if you get into like relationships where you're, where there's a, a partner involved and then somebody becomes like the not rock the boat type of person because they, they don't want to like say something's bothering me or, or something like that. And uh, so establishing boundaries is a huge part of self-care and being vocal when something's bothering you or something is not serving you or meeting your needs. You have to be vocal about it. You can't assume your partner knows what you need, right? Mm -hmm. So that's important with the self-care. The other piece, exercise. You know, we said diet is a huge part of it. You're, you are definitely way more well-versed in the food area than I am. But like with my clients, you know, we, we focus a lot on the, the brain and the gut health as well. So, you know, like probiotics and really taking, there's additional supplements that you can take that I give to help sharpen your brain functions. So that's part of it too. And then I have, you know, you said like not so much keeping a food journal, but also I give a lot of writing exercises, a lot of homework. And a lot of that is see what I'm doing well, see where I'm falling short. See um, where I can improve. Let's get some of these anger issues out because a lot of the behaviors go back to childhood, right? So our, we're run by our subconscious mind, which runs 80 or 90% of our daily activities. So those subconscious minds were formed between the ages of zero and 18. When we're not qualified to build these types of beliefs and behaviors, we're dealing with a lot of pain that maybe from our parents or somebody at school that hit us or treated us badly. And we start eating or drinking or some other type of addiction to get through school. And then we carry that into our twenties and thirties and forties and beyond and develop these unhealthy behaviors. So, you know, I do a lot of writing exercises to go in and find out where this behavior originated mm. and then start changing that behavior on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To really recognize what the, what the past brings to the present moment. Right? Yeah. And when you're talking about the subconscious thinking, because uh, this is one of my favorite topics, you could tell I'm getting ready to talk here, but <laughs> like the, when this, with the subconscious thinking, you have to think like these behaviors and beliefs that were formed years ago, they happened by doing these things on a daily basis over and over and over and over these unhealthy behaviors or beliefs to cope with whatever happened when I was like five, you know, so I start mm -hmm. developing these defensive mechanisms to deal with like my dad who abused me or my mom who put me down or the, kid, the teacher at school who said I wasn't smart enough or whatever it is. So every day I start developing these coping things to get through that. And all of a sudden I'm in my thirties and forties and beyond in order to change the subconscious thinking that I've been doing for decades, I need to do things on a daily basis day after day, healthy behaviors and, and beliefs and establish these things every day, not every other day. Like I didn't develop these behaviors, like doing an exercise once a week. I did them every day. So now let's write these things down every single day and let's, let's like eradicate our thinking. Yeah. And that's what I do. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, and you're so right. Right. When we talk about the, you know, and some people out there know about the science of neuroplasticity and how we now know you can change the brain. I mean, we used to think, when I, when I first came on the scene 30 years ago, we used to think that was it. Like, however the brain was conditioned, 
is how it was conditioned. And what I love now, you know, in the recent, I don't know, 15, 20 years as we've come out with the concept of neuroplasticity, which is the ability of the brain to change, but you have to change it by developing a, building a new bridge, walking over it every day, right? In a practice so that you create that new road. And it's not just a one-time, oh, I'm going to build the bridge, but I'm never going to go down that way again. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. It has to happen over and over and over and over again. Like I'll give homework to my clients. And when I give homework, it's to uh, most of it, you know, sometimes there's these exercises that we do to really like take something out and it's a one-time thing, but a lot of them are daily things. You know, like when I wake up in the morning, do this before I go to bed, let's do this. Let's write down where things I, some things I did really well today. And let's write down some places where I fell short. And you start noticing these behavior patterns, but sometimes I'll have clients and they'll send them all, they'll send me homework that they've been doing that they were supposed to do all week, but they'll send it to me like a half hour before our next <laughs> session. And so they're like cramming to get it all out. So I know that they didn't do it all week and then they don't get the same results, you know? So we have to do these things on a daily basis. And then when you do that, success is on the other side of the uncomfortable. Right. So I don't necessarily want to do those things all the time. And I do them all the time, too. And I have a coach and a mentor or accountability partner mm. who keeps me accountable because I can have really great intentions. I can say, these are my goals. Here are some action steps that I'm going to take to get my goals done. And then my subconscious mind is like, let's go do this instead. But if I have accountability, if I have somebody holding my feet to the fire saying, did you do that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm more apt to do that because I want to be successful. So even though I don't want to do these things, sometimes I make myself do it. And then, you know, I used to spend a lot of time saying, and I even wrote in my book, like, I need to be willing to do these things. But, you know, I learned recently is like, I don't need to be willing. I just need to do the work. Mm. Sometimes right. I just have to make myself do the work. I have to get through this craving. I have to get through this thought through this sadness, through this pain for a few minutes, mm -hmm. sometimes a little longer. If I'm doing the work, I can get through it and get to the other side. And then I start becoming successful. Yeah. And I love, I love that quote. Success is on the other side of uncomfortability. Yeah. Because that is absolutely true. You know, you, you, there isn't another way around it except to, you can't, go under uncomfortability or over it or, or around it, right? You, you have to just move through it yes. to get to the other side. It's, it's kind of like fear. Um, you know, there isn't another way around it. You can only go through that fire, so to speak, of uncomfortability to get through to the other side to get to your success. Yeah, and we need to sit in it sometimes. And it gets uncomfortable and it, it gets, you know, like I'm going through a pretty tough time right now in my life, uh, a pretty a sad breakup and uh, for a really long-term relationship. And a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, I was like really sad. Mm -hmm. And I called my sister and I said to her, I was like, I'm really sad. And you know what she told me? Hmm. She said, it's okay to be sad. Yeah. You know, that was, that's such a good thing to hear because, you know, I was at some point and I can't tell you exactly when uh, we're taught it's not okay to be sad you know, tough it out, like, get, you know, stuff like that. But you know, now it's like, be sad, like feel it. One of the best speakers in the world, 
is uh, Joel Osteen. So I'm not a Christian, but I can look at Joel Osteen. He's one of the most powerful speakers on the planet. And what he said is like, if you're going through pain, you know, it's that pain is there for a reason. It's there to motivate you, to improve you, to grow you. Don't waste your pain. You know, whatever pain you're going through, it's there for a reason. Like feel your pain, learn the lesson you're supposed to learn from it. And don't mask it out with drugs, alcohol, food, shopping, all these things. Feel the pain. And then there's ways to cope. There's healthy ways to cope with it. You don't have to have to just sit there and feel this bleeding pain. There's ways that we, you and I as coaches and counselors, we tell people, let's do this instead of numbing out. Or even going in, you know, I used to go to AA a lot, 12-step program. Mm-hmm. And there is value there. I'm not saying if, if somebody's listening, I'm not saying don't ever go to AA again. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is also that can become an addiction too. Because for years I would be like, oh, I'm off. I'm angry, resentful, fearful, sad, whatever. I need to go to a meeting. Mm -hmm. Well, if I do that every day, I never learn how to get through my feelings. Mm -hmm. Right? I become dependent. Like, I'm not going to feel better unless I go to a meeting. And they teach you that there. Mm -hmm. So now I don't teach that anymore. I'm like, "Let's, let's figure out why we feel this way. How can we get through it in a healthy way? Mm and process it and learn that lesson. And then next time that happens, which could be later or tomorrow, or it might not be for five years from now, but I know I can get through it. And I know some healthy ways to do that. Yeah, great. That's great. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I think that there's a there's a definitely a beautiful part of support, um, of, of seeking group support and lots of healing. But I also think that the journey has to be individual too so that you can find ways that you can cope. Yeah, and fellowship is the best thing of AA. It really is. You know, and if you're hurting and freshly sober and you're sitting at home isolating and suicidal and stuff like that, it's like, go to a meeting. You know, there those people there that will hug you and you will be surrounded by like-minded people that understand what you're going through. Or wait, you know, I don't know the food, the food stuff, but there are food groups available too. Mm-hmm. And find people to talk to. But as we progress... In our recovery, there's there's other healthy ways to get through this stuff and grow to the next level. That's the goal. I want to keep growing. I want that emotional sobriety is what we call it in recovery land. I don't want to do this isn't a not drinking contest or a not eating contest or a not snorting cocaine contest. This is a I want to grow up. I want to be able to look the world in the eye and do anything that anybody else can do. Right. Love that. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. I know that you have been on your own journey in sobriety. And just for anybody out there struggling with addiction and trying, whether it's food addiction, alcohol, drugs, what's your number one, number one takeaway from your recovery that you could offer to somebody else? Yeah, well, it's something that we hear, and it's almost cliche. And actually, I mean, I could, I have a lot of those. <laughs> but I will say it's like, don't quit before the miracle happens, right? Because a lot of us are, you know, we have this idea that maybe, you know, if I could just get my eating under control, since we're, this is the, you know, right, the right. not eating thing, yeah. um, or if I could stop drinking, or if I could stop doing drugs, or if I could stop spending money I don't have. 
or whatever my thing is, if I could just stop doing that, then life is just supposed to like open up and rainbows and unicorns and all that stuff. And that's not the way it goes. Like there's a, what we say, there's a long period of reconstruction again. It might've taken me 10, 20, 30, 40 years to get sick or unhappy or uncomfortable or whatever. It's going to take longer than like a week to turn that all around. Right. So it takes time. I have to learn these new healthy beliefs, behaviors, reprogram my subconscious mind to, you know, get me productive on a daily basis so I can become successful in whatever area I'm trying to do that. And, and it takes time. So a lot of times what happens is, you know, we'll come in, we'll stop that unhealthy behavior, that addiction. Mm-hmm. And then like a week or two weeks or a couple months later, we're like, you know, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I think I can have a drink or I can eat some chocolate cake or whatever, or things are not going well. Screw this. I'm going to start drinking. Right. So it's one of those things where we have to stay on the path. And that's where you need a coach or a mentor or an accountability partner to help you stay on the path until the miracle happens. And once you start seeing, you know, things change and open up and improve and be and my life becomes better. And then just stay on that path. Well, once you start seeing like little things happen, little miracles, the good stuff start to happen, then you start to realize, okay, I'm going to be okay. But until that point, a lot of people quit because they're like, you know, remember in the first place, it's like that behavior isn't the problem. It's my thinking that's the problem. So what happens, they'll just stop drinking or snorting cocaine or smoking weed or overeating. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, life kicks you in the balls because that's what life does. Right. It can kick you in the balls or in whatever you have. And then it'll <laughs> kick, it kicks you somewhere. And right. then you're like, well, screw this. That's hard. I'm going to go drink or I'm going to eat a pound of cookies or I'm going to mm-hmm. do my harmful behavior because I don't want to cope with that. So that's mm-hmm. my message is always, at least for me, it's been a series of those throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Love that. I love that. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Dennis Berry, thank you so much for coming on to the Overcoming Podcast. You're an amazing human being. You are, in fact, an overcomer as you've gotten through your recovery and now continue to help other people. If people want to find you, what's the best way that they can do that? The best way is at my website, dennisberry.com. And you can, from there, you can see all my other things that I do, like my podcast, my Funky Brain podcast. You can buy my book through there. It's on Amazon too, Funky Wisdom, A Practical Guide to Life. And uh, you can schedule appointments for a free session and consultation. And uh, we can talk from there with dennisberry.com. And thank you so much. It's really great talking to you. It's an easy conversation. It's not always like that with everybody, but I enjoy talking with you. Yeah, you too. Excellent. Thanks so much. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Love it, Dennis Berry. Thank you so much for coming on for this special edition for overcoming your emotional eating. Thanks so much, Dennis. Take good care. DennisBerry.com. You can find him there. Thanks, Wendy Francis. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.